And there is just so much young new talent in our community that I just feel like a lot of times don't get those opportunities. They have to beg and nag and like be as annoying as possible to just get on a stage to give, get one chance and maybe be remembered the next time an event comes up. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Jules Rose, and you may know Jules Rose from her solo career, as well as her playing with the band Jams. And so, Jules, welcome to the show. Thank you. So today, we're going to be listening to your recently released song, Run, off of the upcoming album, One Year. Yes. Yes, so. Chase you, erase you, 
Welcome back. So, my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the words or was it the music? For this one specifically, it was that opening chord and then the lyrics and then everything else kind of came together after that. Interesting. So, like that minor seventh chord that you play at the very beginning. Yeah. And so, that was like... A melody kind of came out from that when you when you played that it, it's really interesting like I think it just kind of sparked the attitude behind it like I heard it and I was like ooh ooh I, I like the the vibe of that and from there I was like okay what kind of lyrics do I think would match with that and then from there I kind of built a more of a melody around the lyrics but it was it was definitely that starting chord that kind of set me on the idea of what I wanted to do with the lyrics. So you had this general idea based upon the first chord, and then when did you decide to kind of take it into the different different parts? I, I don't know if that made sense. But. I think it made I think it made sense. So I, if I'm remembering when I wrote this song, it's actually been a long time since I wrote it. I'm pretty sure I wrote the whole thing in about three days. And when I wrote it, I started out. I just kind of liked the builds that you got with some of those chords, but I knew the biggest thing for me is I knew I wanted the breakdown. The thing that took me the longest was having like that bridge that where it has that breakdown. And for the longest time, I couldn't figure out how to make that transition. I think I tried probably a hundred different chords I wanted to do. And then I was like, okay, I think I just need to break down the rhythm and like really kind of change the pace of the song. Yeah, I think this one took me like three days or so. And it took a lot of attempts that I really hated before I was like, ooh, okay, this has a cool vibe. The thing that really made me stick with the rhythm was where it comes back into the melody after the breakdown. Something about that just really struck for me. And I was like, okay, I, I really like how that sounds. And like the coming back in has a nice transition. The going out has a nice transition. So, but it did take many, many attempts. Just to clarify, the breakdown is the part that's just before the bridge, which is the chase you, race you. Yeah. Correct? Yes, okay. correct, correct. Um, right there. I'm curious, like, you just knew that this song needed that part? Whenever I write music, I kind of just, like, go. You know, if I feel like I have an idea that I like, I will just keep singing. I will, you know, play the chords that I have, and I'll just kind of follow the vibe a little bit. You know, sometimes I can come up with ideas off the top of my head that I wouldn't have had I stopped every time it was perfect. 
really loving what I was coming up with. But the thing that I kept coming back to is it's kind of repetitive and it's a song that swells, but without the breakdown, it doesn't come to a peak, you know, without that, it wasn't really, it was this swell that wasn't getting to a breaking point. It wasn't getting to something. So Mm. when I was listening to it, when I was singing it and just kind of going through it, I knew I needed to add something to it to make it actually be a full story to make it you know come to a conclusion and build to something instead of it just being you know the openness and then the release of the three chords i kind of rotate between that's nice where you have like that tension and release but you do need a little bit something more because it sounds like it's building so you have to actually Hmm. have it get to a peak you know when you mentioned that i was thinking about maybe the subject matter of the song where Um, based on my perspective of my interpretation is it's this, I would say up until the breakdown, it's all about seeing someone from afar and not necessarily having that, should I say like actually knowing the person, but actually just seeing them and seeing how they interact with other people or, or just see them in a social situation. And you're like, I don't know if obsessed is the right word, but, or maybe it is, but you know, there's that part at which, you know, having that breakdown, it feels like it doesn't stop the obsession but kind of gives you the either the consequences or the rewards of that Mm -hmm. uh, obsession but you don't like even even at the end of this song you don't necessarily get a sense that there is a there's not a conclusion yeah like there's not (laughs) it is it is a you get a little bit of this in another song that i wrote in flame i love a good contrast i love a good wanting something you can't have i feel like those kind of always have spoken to me. Probably just watched too many operas when I was a kid. So <laughs> definitely for this one, it was kind of like when I wrote it, I had met someone for the first time and it was a very exciting experience because I was both discovering things about a new person, but I was also discovering things about myself. But it was kind of like when you're discovering something about yourself, there's always that earth shattering moment of, oh, I have to change for this to happen. And that's scary. And so when I wrote the song, it was kind of a interesting experience of like, ooh, ooh, I'm kind of, this is new. This is interesting. I'm enticed by this idea. But the reality of it is quite earth shattering and scary and stuff like that and so at the end of the day you still feel like danger there's danger there so it was kind of my reaction to to that i guess you know as the person that wrote the song explains something i always start having my own additional interpretations to what i had and i was just like there's something about also how fantasy can never let you down right Mm -hmm. like unless you try to fulfill that fantasy right it's it's like a fantasy in itself can just exist and be good and be great yeah until (laughs) until reality sets Uh in you know i guess i want to go into some of the engineering and putting this song together Mm -hmm. because typically it sounds like you i mean i'm assuming a lot here but it sounds like you write vocals and the acoustic part you know you you write with just your voice and an acoustic how did you start getting this fleshed out into a whole drum? There's a violin in there and um, bass. And so how did how did that all come about? I've always been told I write music that sounds like I'm doing an acoustic cover of rock because <laughs> I was raised on like classic rock and that's what I do covers of and everything. So when I write music, it sounds like it's a piece 
of something bigger. So I always knew I wanted to add those parts in there. I work with Half House Studios, David Counter, who is one of their like founding members, as well as Corbin Phillips. They both were willing to kind of just come listen to the song and kind of just work with me. You know, they would play something and be like, okay, this is kind of the vibe that I think I'm getting from this. And I would kind of be like, mm, you know, maybe not the vibe or like, okay, I need a little bit more movement here. I need you to give me a little bit more, give me a little less, stuff like that. And it was really exciting to get to work with them. But the thing I think I was probably the most excited about was like, I, I guess that's a lie. I was really excited to get some drums <laughs> into a song and bass. It was really exciting to make it sound like a full band, but I've been playing violin for uh, 20 years or so. Getting an excuse to actually pick up my instrument again and incorporate it into this genre that didn't feel like it would be able to hold my classic history was pretty exciting. Just like an excuse to actually bring my violin back and get to use it to complete a piece was was kind of exciting. How did you decide, because the way that this comes in, in the... I get. I want to call it the second verse, the you're, yeah. you're so soft part, kind of this direct line that's coming in and it's not necessarily melodic, but it's just that, 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 that. I don't know if I've ever asked a question like <laughs> this before, but what kind of voice were you trying to put in with the violin? Like what was the attitude or I don't know, uh, uh, what were you trying to emote? I feel like for this one, I almost was like picturing my head like creeping in like something that's like slowly creeping in it is kind of building up to the bigger parts especially the bigger parts being like kind of me being like i don't know if this is gonna go so well so it's almost like the foreboding feeling like slowly creeping in because you know you get at the very beginning i'm like oh you're pretty and this sounds this sounds like a fun time but you're getting to that point where i'm kind of being like uh you know we might regret this this might be bad and that violin is just kind of trying to slowly add that level of a foreboding thing and kind of creeping in so i always thought thought of the more staccatoed violin coming in almost like somebody tiptoeing in just like, and kind of increasing just a little bit of the tension behind the song. It feels like the process in terms of adding the instruments, it was like the bass comes in and then there's a little bit of the, the drums with the cymbals and then you've got the violin and even some of your vocal lines get a little bit more, you became less recitative and more uh, libretto. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah. which... I don't know. Nobody's going to even care about that. But <laughs> I, I care deeply about that, actually. <laughs> a good way to maybe say this. So, you know, when I, I went to school for music and one of the things they always talked about was recitatives were used as part of the conversation and arias where you got the melodies was somebody stopping and talking about their emotions so if this was shakespeare it'd be a conversation versus an aside so and it usually is like where the action stops for a second so that you can kind of see the consequences or you can kind of have somebody's inner demons kind of fleshed out and being like these are my feelings and i would say it's very much the same at the beginning i'm telling somebody like i think you're so pretty i think you're so soft i'm telling somebody this but then I get to the bridge where it's starting to become more and more melodic and it's kind of my inner thoughts. Like, I'm not going to tell someone to their face, I'm chasing you, I'm erasing you, and you're going to freaking regret this. <laughs> like, right. I wouldn't say that to someone's face. I say all the other things in a very, very 
opera related thing it is the conversation versus the emotional reaction to it as the melody gets more melodic i guess you could say yes sorry i don't know why i said i said libretto which is not even that's that's i knew what you meant i knew what you meant i was thinking i did think aria but said libretto i i feel like past music theory people are like you know would be punching the air right now well if it makes you feel better i'm not punching the air and i'm definitely a past music (laughs) education person so you know excellent no air punches you know i i feel like I always have to ask this question and and we can skip this or not but so this is based on a on a true story to a certain extent or, yeah, or relatively. past experience yeah does this person know that this song is about them not at all no okay i i wrote this song about three weeks two weeks before we never spoke again um, and I, did, I never even told them I wrote the song, not for lack of better words. I guess it was a fun little gay awakening that was just very quick and very like done. It was interesting and it does come with a lot of like, that's a big emotional feeling. And like, it was the first song where I was like, I think a word like soft, for instance, is one that very much is used to describe feminine people a lot of times. And I did think it was like an interesting thing to get to talk about that kind of feeling without ever using any like genders or anything like that to make it more universal i guess so it was an exciting experience whether or not it was there was a longevity to it and there wasn't yeah about two weeks after that we didn't speak anymore (laughs) but you know it was still worth it for the music at the very least it's interesting that you brought up the concept of the universal and i feel i mean i'm sure that this is a question that people can ask forever and ever and ever but there is something and i feel like i just talked about this on another episode but it, it i guess my brain is pr- still processing there's this really fine line because if you make it super universal then it doesn't necessarily connect to mm-hmm. everybody because it's just like oh that's just the same old story but when you make it too personal then it doesn't take root yeah so there's this weird fine line so i'm i'm curious when you wrote this, did you go down that path of maybe something super personal about it? Or did you, I'm, I'm just in terms of your overall songwriting process. Since I wrote this song, I have had a lot of music that I've been less afraid to be more specific and be more like, I wrote this song for myself. I hope somebody can connect to it because they have the root of the feeling is similar to something they can experience. But I think part of the reason I did this one a little bit more universal was it wasn't about the specific person or moment. It was about my reaction to it. It wasn't about the girl. It was about how I felt in that moment about that change, about that scary aspect. So I think a lot of it for me was the fact that I don't think this was a song ever for her. It was a song for me and about me, which is why I chose to do something more universal. But I have other songs. I just had a song that came out Friday. That's El Cajon Boulevard. And that one, I talk about a specific restaurant next to a specific school that I name, like I say by name on a specific day. That song, I exclusively talk about very, very specific moments that only me and one other person shared. And I did that because that was what was important for that song. That song was about the events. That song's not about the feelings that I only had. So when it comes to universe, like universe, 
universality yeah <laughs> i don't know if that's a real word but like when it comes to that i feel like it really also depends on like point of view took a poetry class my senior year which was super awesome and a lot of it talked about point of view and how that shift can do a lot and depending on who you're looking at if this is a conversation if this is uh, inner monologue stuff like that just changing that point of view is more important than how universal it is and i think that's more of where i was coming from with that one rather than I hope everyone feels this feeling. It's important to make it more general because it's not about that one person. It's about me or that feeling. Here's the part where I like to tell you what my favorite part is in the song. There's definitely something great about the breakdown and then going into the bridge and then the outro. You know, that is the <laughs> the denouement, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but I feel like that violin coming in and I, you know, part of one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you about why you voiced it the way that it is, because it has that, what is the violin trying to say? And like, where is it going to go? Especially if this is the first time that you're listening to it, like, what is that voice presented in the violin going to continue to do throughout the song? Mm -hmm. And I just find that, well, I would say intriguing, but it's also, it kind of pulls you in. That's a moment that sticks in my head because like if i'm gonna have like an earworm in there there's it's that violin just kind of sneaking in that's my favorite part what's your favorite part of the song honestly that is probably one of mine as well part, partly because i just enjoy that i got to play violin on it and i'm like oh there she is i would definitely say also getting the harmonies in was also a really fun thing at first we weren't going to do harmonies and at the last minute i decided to add them in there's, I think, a certain level of emotion that is added with that, which I pretty well enjoy. Plus, you know, I got to kind of belt out some of those those harmonies in the latter half, which was pretty fun. Um, so I'd say those are probably where the harmony comes in is also probably one of my favorites. But I do, I do love where the, the violin enters. It's just a fun little, like, surprise. It does a very good ramp up to the breakdown. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's kind of like, if you want to be, you know, literal about it in some ways, it's like, it's the splitting of you mm -hmm. into just before this breakdown of, it almost is like this multiverse kind of thing too. It's like <laughs> these different things that could be happening. Because I think all of those harmonies on their own could exist as melodies mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but together, hearing them all together gives that, oh, they all, they all, exist well together but they're all separate and mm -hmm. going into different directions i'm a big duality fan i have a whole other song where the entirety of the song i'm speaking underneath it because i i don't know why i thought it was really fun you know the spoken word and the sung melody sometimes they're like the way i say them are very similar sometimes you can tell that they have very different context when i'm saying them mm. so i've always been a big fan of like those two halves of your brain like the devil and the angel on your shoulder kind of situation and songs so yeah bringing the second voice in there definitely i feel like the harmony has a little bit more of a pained voice to it if you did separate it out into its own it would you could kind of get a little bit more of the pained part of the vocal instead of like the excited oh what is this kind of thing so yeah it's always definitely interesting when you can add another voice why did you pick this song as the one that you wanted to talk about today this song was the first one that was bigger that i got to do with half house i wrote this song a while ago and it's part of a bigger concept album that i'm coming out with this one to me felt like a standalone it fits in with the concept but it also by itself is its whole own story and it's the first one i recorded with them over like 
may have been almost two years ago now when I started recording this. And for me, it was a big deal. Just like the fact that it was a big moment in my life when I wrote it, but getting to finally get to hear my music the way I always wanted it to be and fuller with the violin and it's emotional. It was like writing a screenplay and actually getting to watch the movie kind of thing. It was so many pivotal, big changing moments for me all encompassed into this one song, even though they all happened at very different time periods in my life. This song will always have a very special place because it just had a lot of big firsts related to it. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe dot cafe at community dash ucc dot org welcome back so jules what is your favorite champagne urbana venue that is a loaded question right <laughs> i am an acoustic performer that is a multi-leveled question because of that, because I've done coffee shops, I've done breweries, and what makes a good venue isn't always what makes a full venue, if that makes sense. So one of the places I work with really like the most consistently is 25 o'clock. They don't have a stage, they don't have lighting, but they have a group of people there who are just so excited to listen to music. They're always so encouraging. They are very respectful of my time and easy to work with, stuff like that. And I love doing shows there. But maybe one of the biggest feeling places that like every time I perform there, it feels really significant, which is kind of fun. It's probably Canopy Club. I've gotten to do their big stage and their smaller stage. And I feel like both times it always feels very like grand every time you're there just because you have the lights and you're actually on stage and I'm not running my own sound system, which anybody who's seen my show knows that's a good thing. It's <laughs> It's nice to kind of let go of some of those parts it feels very real when you're there which is very enjoyable do you have a favorite show that you've performed at that is a great question god i just love performing in general i could be singing in a desert with nobody listening to me and i would i would love it honestly my 25 o'clock ones are probably some of the most comfortable like if you come and listen to me there i probably have the best singing you'll ever hear me do just because i can relax and I don't ever feel overwhelmed like I do at some other places. Back a long time ago, I got to do a gig at Canopy Club. It was actually a battle of the bands with Jam. And honestly, that was one of my favorite shows because it was really just, it was just fun. 
you know i got to be on the big stage there was a good amount of people there and it was my first time getting to do canopy club and i think that's really what made it such a fun show was just like i was like ah i'm a big kid now because this was probably oh god it, it might even be like 10 years ago it was a really long time ago but it was one of the first times i got to kind of do a performance outside of the very small amount of times I'd done it, like at school and stuff like that. And so that was probably one of my favorite shows, just purely due to the fact that it felt big. It felt significant. So how did you start working with Half House Studios? So um, I knew David Counter, who is also my drummer for a bunch of my stuff now. I actually met him through a mutual friend and we started hanging out. And he said, hey, do you remember that Battle of the Bands? that you did at Canopy Club. And I said, yeah. He said, my band played there and we hated you. And I was like, oh, okay. And it's because we had gotten first and they had gotten third. Uh. Um, <laughs> and it was it was funny because it was the first time we really ever talked about music and we were like, neither one of us had really made the connection that we were both in the music scene because we were hanging out because we were friends and we had mutual friends that introduced us totally unrelated to the music environment. So eventually he let me know that he was, you know, kind of starting this this project and I I knew about it when it was not a thing really at all. And then when they finally started being like, okay, we, you know, we actually have the setup, like we kind of want to start bringing people in. I'm a very busy person, so they had to nag me a little bit to do it. I was so excited when I finally got to like actually see their space and start working with them. And once I did... There was no going back. They're just so endlessly pleasant to work with and professional and work so hard and are so passionate about it that, like, I don't think I could go back to working with anybody else after getting to experience how nice they are to work with. The people that you record with and the people that understand your vision and can help put that into real life are... Uh, They're special. Yes, yes. And, I mean, that makes all the difference is having a comfortable environment where you can actually in a way, explore the sounds that you want, but also, yeah. Yeah, well, and it was, I know for a fact, I walked into the studio at least three times and I was like, hey, Josh, I want to just like, let's just fuck around with it. Let's do something weird. And that's all I would give him. <laughs> and I'd be like, let's let's just like, let's make it weird, right? Let, and he would just be like, okay, yeah, like, sure, let's, let's, let's do that. Or David would ask me, like, okay, so, like, what are you thinking for the drums? And I would just give him a genre mm. and then be like, okay, good luck. <laughs> and he and he did such a great job with that. At this point, I have endless trust, I feel like, in those guys, their ability to create. Same with Corbin, who does bass uh, for a bunch of my songs. I endless endless trust for those guys because they, they really know what they're doing, but they're really good at absorbing what I'm trying to put out and listening to what the meaning is and everything like that. And it's easy to work with them for sure. What do you think makes a good music scene or makes a good music community? I think a lot of support from your fellow artists. I've seen a lot of, in different communities, I've seen a lot of like, um, oh God, what's the word I'm trying to think of? When you're like kind of clicky <laughs> or like exclusionary, um, I can't for the life of me remember the word I'm trying to use, but, hmm. you know, you have the people that you know, and even though there's so many more people you could reach out to, there's a lot of people I know who, like, are just not, they never reach out to those other people. And I would say the thing I really love about 
champagne is especially with the younger performers they are just so welcoming they're just so excited to be there when i first started doing open mics at canopy club four years ago something like that i didn't know anybody i was really scared to do it i couldn't play guitar at the time i was still in my band and mostly that was all i did it was like the first time i wasn't even jules rose back then i had no stage name it was very it was very new for me i had never stepped out on my own and it was so welcoming you know there was someone always willing and ready to like play guitar for me they wanted me to do well and they were super encouraging and i think they were a lot of reason why i chose to start learning guitar and like start writing my own music and stuff like that like i think what makes a good music environment and good music community is when you're not just there for yourself like you can learn from each other you can grow from each other because it makes everyone a little bit better if you all can like work with each other and listen to each other so uh, i feel like especially some of the younger people who are here some of the like i've met a lot of really great older performers too but they're just so excited to see somebody new they're so excited to meet another person who can can do something can bring something to the scene and i do find that's like really nice and encouraging and i really and truly can say that that's the only reason i'm as far as i am right now is because of you know people like that at open mic what do you think champagne urbana can do better in a music community there's two things that i would say are pretty big holes there are some I, God, I really wish I could remember the word that I was trying to think of, mm. but it's like, it's a word that means not including everybody. Exclusive? It's like, they say Ugh. it about the nerd community all the time, where people are very, where you have to be one specific thing uh, to be able to be in the group. Gatekeep. Yes, that's it. Okay. Oh, you're a yeah. hero. Um, <laughs> That would have bothered me for a long time. Yes, I do feel like there are some like performers who are super well established that do gatekeep a little bit and it's not intentional they are amazing people who are so talented you already know your friends you already know who you normally mm. perform with or who normally goes out and when you're making an event and you're busy yourself and stressed yourself you're going to be like okay i know i can rely on these three people they're going to do the gig mm. but the problem is if that you know if that happens at five different locations you still only hear those five, you know, performers at every location. And there is just so much young, new talent in our community that I just feel like a lot of times don't get those opportunities. They have to beg and nag and like be as annoying as possible to just get on a stage to give, get one chance and maybe be remembered the next time an event comes up. And I think that that is probably one of the things that is the hardest in our community is like, if you're not one of five, you're never going to be the first person that somebody thinks of. I definitely think it's going to be exciting and cool to see as some of these younger artists get more associated with the venues and start, you know, being the people who make those decisions and invite people and make events, you're going to see that shift. So naturally, I'm sure it will eventually resolve itself. Um, but you do definitely see it a little bit in town where it's like it's the same five names all the time and you don't get to see some of this new fresh talent and i would love to get to have that more the other thing too is especially with working with half house it's kind of hard to find a venue that works super well with rap in our town yeah um and I, it's not my genre but <laughs> i can tell someone i can sing and play guitar and they'll invite me into any space right but with working with half house i have seen like how often 
they don't get invited to things because they're a bigger group or their setup is a bigger or sometimes people just like don't understand what they're trying to do i think that's a frustrating thing in our town is like we have so many venues they don't have to just be at canopy club exclusively but you do definitely see a lot of gatekeeping in our community with that specifically like I, I do find it would be a much cooler environment if we had more places that would be open to that and nola's was one of them and that closed mm -hmm. so like i do feel like we have an ever losing space when it comes to that genre in town you know, and I say this and, and my own brain, because I, it's, it's one of these, like, I know it to be true, but my brain doesn't accept it, is I am absolutely positive there, there are probably more hip-hop artists in Champaign-Urbana than all of the bands and sing, singer-songwriters. Hands down. Hands down. Combined. There are so many performers, and there's some really, really talented people that you will never hear perform live. Well, and that's the thing is like, it's not something that people are like, oh yeah, of course, because nobody gets to see all of these artists. And then when there is an opportunity, it's like, it's one night only and it's only, there's only, you know, maybe five slots and then they only get 15 yeah, minutes each. Yeah, it's, it's like a constant open mic. And, yeah. and as cool as it is to see that many people, the reason they have to do that is because they have no other spaces that will let them perform in total. And like, it's like an art show, right? Like, it's nice when you have 50 artists in a gallery, but if you could have your art completely displayed in one place all the time, that'd probably be even better than one weekend with 50 other artists. It's nice that they have that ability to show that many people at once, but never having an ability to do a full set is infuriating. If I never got to perform at 25 o'clock where I do two hours, I would never feel like I was performing. Hmm. There's so many of these groups that get to do two songs every other week. That would be heartbreaking. And it's just because I feel like Champaign-Urbana is really lacking and it's welcoming of that. And like every time I see, you know, any of Half House perform, I'm always blown away. They're very, very talented. And I would love to actually get to see a full set by them. But it's it's just not something that is usually provided by our town. And I really, really hope that if NOLA gets bought out and opened again, that maybe they'll be have another opportunity. But it is definitely something that is, in my opinion, a gaping hole in the music community. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games, Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Jules, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? I have no free time, so besides music, I run. 
I run a lot. I run from my problems and I run marathons, you know, gotta, gotta keep in shape for that. But I would say that's, that is probably the biggest thing I do with my free time is, you know, I've done three or four marathons at this point. I think three half marathons. That's probably one of my favorite things to get to do because I get to go outside and see the sun and feel mm. and be like, oh man, that vitamin D is just like crazy cool. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> So how did you get into running? I've been doing it since like the fourth grade. My dad runs and my uh, sister did cross country. And I said, wow, that sounds super fun and cool. So in the fourth grade, I actually started running with the sixth grade class just because I had too much energy. And my parents were like, oh, great. I don't have to watch my kid for two hours and she'll just be tired when she comes home. Love it. They just let me run with the sixth graders and uh, I've never stopped. When did you decide that you wanted to do your first marathon about a week after i started training for my first half marathon uh, <laughs> i signed up for the half marathon because my sister was doing it and she had done it several times and she loved it and i was like i want to be as cool as her and then my best friend from high school was like hey would you be interested in doing the illinois with me and i said yeah of course that sounds great you know you know, we just started college and i you know, want an excuse to keep in contact because it's hard to make friends and everything. And I was like, sounds like a great idea. Do you want to do the half or the full? And I was like, you know, side note, I think it'd be easier. We'd have more time for the half. And I've already, you know, started training for a half. So I know it's doable. And she said, yeah, great idea. You know what? Fuck it. Let's do the full. And so just totally ignored <laughs> what I said and what I think was a logical thing. And I was like, you know what? I told her she can decide. So she said, fuck it. We're doing the full. Mm -hmm. So... I guess we're doing the full. What year was that? 2016, 2017. I think I was still 18 years old when I did my first marathon. Mm. It was a decision, but you know, I did it. I trained for it. I didn't miss a run and my legs were only partially broken by the time I, I finished. I think I would have been probably a fully in one piece had I not tripped over a baby gate and smashed my knee and got a big old bruise, con like a contusion in my patella two weeks before the race. I was told that I wouldn't make it worse, so I did it anyway. And they were right, my knee was fine. It was just because I limped, I uh, got a strain in my hip on the other leg. Because you're trying to compensate mm -hmm. for yeah. the ouch on one. Which one was your favorite marathon? Uh, I just did one recently, Bayshore Marathon in Traverse City. Not only was it my fastest, but it was freaking gorgeous. It's May on Lake Michigan. It's so pretty there. And it's like 60 degrees, no wind, no hills. And the entire race is a straight shot on their like beachfront street. So you're like on the lakefront the entire way. And there's no turns, there's no hills. It's such an easy run. But the whole time, one side of you is these gigantic, ridiculous, like, lakefront houses and the other side is just like a huge body of water and it's gorgeous and they they do a lot of really good work with like keeping up the stations and everything so there's you know water gatorade snacks you know people mm -hmm. cheering everywhere definitely one of my favorites i did disney and it was um terrible so it was it was an awful awful race they they I love Disney. I've been many times. I would never do that marathon again. Jules, thank you for being on the show and no telling me all about your song, Run. And I look forward to the new album coming out one year and telling me about your favorite venue, things that work well in the Champaign-Urbana music scene and 
things that don't work out so well and your favorite non-musical thing. So thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. This is Jules Rose reminding you, great music's out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> studio. South on the Interesting. It's it's that I little never... bit of love that someone said. You don't you don't need a crust today. I'll cut it off for you. Wow. You know, I feel like there, there should that's a whole new podcast, the philosophy of uncrustables. Oh, I I would excel at that. I could mm. talk about uncrustables for a lifetime. Please go ahead. So, uncrustables, they're really important to me. <laughs> <laughs> they are they're so special. Welcome to the Uncrustables show. I'm your host Sven with co-host Jules. You're going to hear a lot of rappers opening. <laughs> you can't talk about Uncrustables with no Uncrustable in your hand. Mm, that's fair. You have to just... All day long.